0: Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by
1: today's message.
0: Will you guys stand and welcome Pat and Jan, I want you to both come up, welcome them to the platform. I'm surprising Mika. As he often does when he hands me a microphone, Uh, they're they're, going to do their thing, but we just, we just not only want to welcome you, but we just want to bless you for being here because we're grateful for you. We, um, some people are like, I don't like denominations. I'm like, well, actually there's lots of protection that comes with that. There's a ton of wisdom that comes with that. We're not trying to figure out how to make an Oreo. That's like, I don't even know what filling is, you know? So it's really nice. It's sugar. Um, but it's really nice to, to be able to know and have support at every step of our way. We are so grateful for you. Um, and we're super thankful. Yeah. Did you want to share anything? You, you guys know, we tell you all the time how much we love you. You guys don't know. We love them so much. These two people have just blessed our socks off time and time again. They go in with such grace and Robert, you nailed it. He, Robert this morning, as we were praying, just gave a word to Pat saying mercy and grace, like two-edged sword, mercy and grace. You have such mercy and grace. You, you both just exude love and fun. And yeah, the, Jan knows how to throw a great Christmas party. So we always take tips from her party and bring them to you. So you can thank Jan if you have any fun at the Christmas party tonight. Well, will you guys put your hands out? We're just going to bless them. Mickey, you want to run around the other side real quick? Yeah. Father, we just thank you, thank you Father, for, for their leadership oversight. Father, we thank you, God, for the role that they get to play in us in our lives as a community. Father, I thank you for their leadership. We honor them and we bless them. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You. amen. Mickey, you want to hand up yeah.
2: Oh, don't give me two. Um Wow. I was raised in the country, you can probably tell, and uh, with an introduction like that, I feel like this little evangelist who was getting ready to preach his very first sermon, and the pastor gave him such an amazing intro that when he got the mic, he said, I can't wait to hear what I'm going to (laughs) say. I feel a little like that. I'm very humbled. Um, To say that we love your pastors would be a real understatement. Our hearts have knit with them as leaders and pastors and ministry, but as people, you know, they're just our kind of people. And we so enjoy our time with you guys and being in your home and sweet Quinn, we've just had a great time. So thank you for the kind words and how blessed you are to have this couple lead you. And I, I can, I know you know that if you're with them a little while, it's pretty apparent But we are just honored to be with you finally in service. I mean, we have been here. We came through the building. You were doing some work, but it's wonderful to worship with you. And I want to just share a quick little scripture with you this morning. Um, Hebrews 12 and 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Um, The Lord speaks to me in really odd ways, maybe because I'm an odd person. I don't know. But when I was raising children, the Lord spoke to me through Dr. Seuss books. Yeah. Just, you know, he would take these random little thoughts and just drop something for me because that was where I was living. That's where my everyday path was. So when we were in Hawaii on a vacation, we had some friends who happened to live there and we went to the beach that day. And uh, Bob said to me, do you want to learn to paddleboard? And I'm like, yeah, of course. I didn't know I wanted to until you asked, but I do. And so we get out in the water, and if you've ever paddle boarded, you probably know this, but we're out there, and I love the water. I'm not afraid of the water, and he showed me how to get on the board, and he hands me the paddle, and he said, now listen to this. Don't look too far on the horizon. Don't look at your feet. Just look far enough. And I felt the Lord speak to me. And say, when you're following somebody, you just look right there. Yeah. You don't want to look way down, and you don't want to look at your feet, for heaven's sakes. But just far enough is what he said. Words to live by. Overwhelmed when we look too far, right? right. Look just far enough. Yeah. We must never stop looking at him. Regardless of what's happening in our lives... It is him that brings the focus and the recalibration that we need. He's the leader of our faith, the scripture says. So how do we apply that to Christmas? We're in the throes of Christmas, right? Don't focus on your feet. In other words, don't look at the mess you have to make sense of. Don't look at all of the tasks that you have to do. Don't look at all the things you haven't done. Right here is my mess and it's screaming at me right? But also don't wish it away. Don't look so far out that you're thinking, could this just be over already? I've been guilty. I've been guilty. But just be in that moment, in that time with him. Looking at Jesus is just far enough. Good
1: morning. She's so good. I gotta quit letting her go first and I let her go after me. Good night, man. Oh man, I don't know what's wrong with me. It's good to see you. It's good to be in Sandpoint. Uh, if we were ninety-five percent of America, we would have canceled church. Not around here. Get it scraped. Let's go. What an incredible, incredible experience this morning. To be in worship with you, we've we've been in worship. Some of these folks been in worship since before seven o'clock. I think it's just powerful, just powerful. That I enjoyed the worship practice more than I enjoy most worship services. <laughs> and the uh, the team prayer uh, after practice and uh, before we opened was just powerful. Thank you for your words of of encouragement, your words of prophecy over Jan and I. Um, and, and wow, what a powerful worship set. I've been in huge churches, massive, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people, and not felt any closer to God and felt any more impactful worship than what we've just experienced here today. I know it's been a journey at Sandpoint for a very long time, but the last three years, well, now they've been something, haven't they? And, and there's some of y'all around here, you didn't believe in COVID. I imagine, I guess, Northern Idaho and then some of our cali- some of our California transplants. well, we're so glad you're here. Now, now go easy. Almost everything I love is in California, don't mistake. Don't mistake. My only two sons and my only two granddaughters live in California. I get to talking about them and I get sidetracked. What an honor it is to be with you. Uh, Pastor Chris and I have been working on this almost three years, believe it or not. Um, But what an honor it is to be with them. And thank you for being patient uh, much of my work is, is putting out fires and, and fixing things. and So when Jan and I just get to come and fellowship and worship and eat and tell our stories, it is just so, so refreshing. And we do love the Bassets so very much. And, and we're, we're still getting to know each other. Uh, Jan and I serve 70 congregations all over the Pacific Northwest, um very different uh urban Seattle, Portland. Boise is not really urban, but certainly city, Spokane, um very rural like here and uh Myrtle Creek, Oregon and um um what is that? Rupert, Idaho and and uh um even even where I live in this, in Yakima, Washington, it's certainly not Portland or or Seattle. And it's so interesting that, that the work we do now goes very much back to the work we started doing. We were 20 years old. We'd been married two weeks. We left the mountains of the coal fields of West Virginia and went to Massachusetts. <laughs> we sold her brand new car. My very old car, Tom, didn't have an engine that worked. That's funny how you how that goes when you need to drive 800 miles. We put everything we owned in about that much of the smallest U-Haul trailer. I promise to you, we spent our wedding gift money on the trip. We had enough for one more pretty nice meal, and we were broke. We moved into one room of a twenties 1920's era elementary school that was very difficult to heat. And we did it like we didn't have good sense. We didn't know any better. It didn't dawn on us what could go wrong. I now know why her stoic, loving, unbelievably gifted father had tears in his eyes when we backed out of the driveway. I didn't know that then, but I know now, and I still can't believe he didn't say, no, no, we're, we're, we're not going to do that. No, no, she's, she's staying right here, but it's so fascinating how much what we learned and especially that first five years, but in total nine years we were there, that has translated and been valuable to our work here almost 40 years later. Oh, it is 40 years later. I used to not look like this. And then the connections that we have with Sandpoint. Now, I've only been here one other time, but we did spend four years in Anchorage, Alaska. We had, there we supervised 22 churches in Alaska. Got a lot of similarities if you don't know that. Some of y'all came here to get away. And you didn't leave a forwarding address. Huh? Where Jen and I grew up in those, what we refer to as mountains. I don't mean to offend you. They are hills to you. <laughs> Maybe mounds to you. In the mid to late 1700s, that was the frontier of the United States. And even 150 years later, many of those folks still live very much with that mentality, that culture that can do, I don't need anybody's help, Jan's grandfather ran a sawmill, a mobile sawmill. My father-in-law, who would be 94 pretty soon, remembers as a teenager seeing the first motorized vehicle come through that uh, that creek or that holler, uh, and that would have been in the 19, around 1940, and um, so so we know a little bit about Pioneer, but we also have some other connections. Um, pastor uh, Dean Hackett, uh, your former pastor, serves as the chairman currently of my administrative board and probably uh, the greatest prayer warrior I have. Um, And he loves you and speaks so fondly of you. And, of course, his mentee, his spiritual son, is your current pastor. Um, Also, you may remember a guy by the name of Joel Swartzel. Pastor Joel and I worked together in California. Now, when I say worked together, that's loosely stating it. He was pastoring in Visalia, and Jan and I were leading youth ministry for the region of California and Nevada but his son, uh, LeWayne, whom I'm sure some of you that have been around a while know, was on my administrative board there. But our largest connection is that we are a part of the Pacific Northwest Church of God family, and I am so grateful for that. Now, it is interesting. Also interesting as I hear your stories, what a various background, both religious and and uh, from your your. Um, place of origin is and it's always interesting to me and I learned this in New England because our organization was even smaller there than it is here. We just learned to love people and we learned to hear their stories and appreciate where they'd come from and rejoice in what the Lord had done in them, through them, and for them and how exciting it is to see this vibrant congregation ministering the Word of God, carrying the love of Jesus, and, 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 and not indoctrinating, but um, infusing the culture of the church of the living God. I, was, I almost asked Pastor Chris, and, and he can answer me later. I was just thinking, knowing his story, did he ever dream when he walked through these doors the first time that he would be the leader of such an impactful ministry in this region of Idaho. And, and that's just the kinds of stuff that the Lord does when we let him. Um, I do, uh, the, the, the prayer time was, was powerful. It's interesting how the pastor's work goes. Because even this morning, Pastor Chris is doing this, but he's thinking about that one with that issue and that one with that issue. And as I stand before you this morning, I have a pastor in greater Seattle that needs an incredible miracle of God. I have another pastor that needs a touch In his body. I have a church under unbelievable financial stress. I have a pastor who is looking down the barrel of almost forced retirement because of health. And then how many other things that I don't even know about? And and a part of what happens to the senior leader is you've got all that going on. And you say, well, just turn it off and give us the word of God. I'm going to give up my best shot. But if I'm worth my salt as a God called leader, I can't get my mind or my prayer or my thoughts away from those that are struggling and hurting and desperately in need of a touch. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit on the topic, the church matters. And I've been so inspired today. There's such a spirit of excellence in this house, Pastor Chris. There's such a spirit of worship in this house. There's such a spirit of camaraderie in this house. Now, I'd be willing to bet there's some folks that used to come here that don't come here anymore. Who say, hey, you know, that smart guy. I do this for a living. And it's hard to believe, but there are people this morning that are mad at Pastor Chris Bassett. How can you be mad at this guy? Handsome, big old smile, talented, beautiful family. Leader, how could you? Well, somebody could find a way. Now, is there anybody in this room that actually grew up here? Is there an actual local native that one Two, three, okay, four, four, okay. So, so it must be fascinating for you to see all this happen in your community. See, we we don't let people come to where I grew up. We 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 back in back in the forties and fifties. When coal mining was exploding, they, the, the coal operators would actually go to Ellis Island and and they would ask if you had coal mining experience. And, and if you did, they just load you up. Now many of these folks remember didn't speak one word of English. were, 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 were not literate, so, so like I have one name in my lineage that's spelled four different ways. and and, and, they, and, and if you just happen to be like from Wales, They'd load you up too, because you've got to know something about coal mining. And they brought them down in these hollers, and, and, and the way hollers work is, is the valley that Jen and I grew up in is probably as wide as your lot, two or three times. And then there's mountains and there' pardon me, hills. But they're steep, and we think they're mountains. But what happened is the people just came there and then the co-operators started going and getting folks and folks didn't come anymore. And so that culture just kind of marinated on itself, kind of simmered on itself. So the people there, are the people there and the knuckleheads are the knuckleheads and the church folks of the church. And, 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 you know, that's, that's how it goes. But, but our world has changed so much. It's even changed there with the advent of Internet and what have you. And I don't have time to preach on all that. My point is this. Our culture has lost its mind. And the stuff that people that really know better believe is crazy. And it seems to me it's going to get crazier. And, and you know, there was a time that... that we as as Christian parents, we we did teach our children to be open-minded to learn about other cultures, other ways of thought, other ways of doing things. What we didn't expect was this tsunami of crazy culture to sweep over them and literally brainwash them. Now, I'm not telling you all that to scare you. I just happen to believe That the God that flooded the earth once and brought life back to it is still the same God. And as afraid as I probably should be for my eight and four-year-old granddaughters, I'm not. Because I believe God is still big enough. He's still big enough. And I happen to believe if history teaches us anything... It is, this is not the first time the cultures have gone crazy. You know, you start reading about some of the religious activity, what was going on in the church house in Jesus' day. The Bible doesn't even bring it up. But historians tell us it was, it was crazy. But God came on the, on the scene and he began to draw men and women to him and and they they would say things like what manner of man is this that speaks to the seas and they stop what what kind of man is it that sees an issue of blood or a demoniac or some other malady or ailment and simply and quietly and i think perhaps softly says be gone be healed be changed be blessed be forgiven I think we just have to learn some language to speak into this culture. And a couple of things I want to recommend is I love you. I think you're dumb as a box of rocks over what you believe. But I love you. I didn't mean to get into this, but here I am. So there we go. The scripture tells a story about a rich, young ruler that approaches Jesus and says, what can I do to be saved? Now, I probably would have had some other things to say because I've coached a lot of young men. I'm, I'm, I, I just can't imagine I would have said what Jesus said. But Jesus had the ability to cut to the heart of the matter immediately. And he said to the young man, Well, sell all that you have and come and follow me. And the story tells that the young man walked away sorrowful because he could not do that. Now, I don't have a full sermon on this yet. As a matter of fact, I'm talking quicker than I typically do. I am typically thought more about this than I have. But I keep going back to the fact that he was a rich, young ruler. A rich, young ruler. Now, there's, there's a lot of wealthy people buying property and moving in here there's a lot of locals because that's the way regular folk do. You just make enough to do what you need to do. You don't have a pile of wealth. You don't have a pile of money. Now, your real estate's worth more than it's ever been. So you might want to hang on to that. That that would be my financial advice of the day. (laughs) Or make them pay a whole lot for it. We are living in a nation in a time where we are rich Young rulers, at least our young, are rich and full of power. And if we track that back, that seems to be the three largest uh, challenges to turning our heart to Jesus. This young man happened to have all three. But if you look at what is going on in our culture, wealth and youth and power. And, and, and we have a chance, I, and I was just thinking about this. I'm, I'm really out there. I'm just telling you right now. You have gotten me out there. <laughs> we hear this phrase, if you watch any news, and I don't really recommend it, but if you hear any news or any of these kind of political things, they're all the time, not all the time, but they're often talking about speaking truth to power. Yeah. Well, that's a valuable thing. That's what Daniel did. That's what the Hebrew boys did. But they didn't speak truth to power to get their spot on national news. They spoke truth to power to speak truth to power. And and perhaps God is calling us to speak truth to wealth and to speak truth to youth. And to speak truth to power. And I don't mean in a C in a, a YouTube or Reel or TikTok. Grab a moment, show yourself off how smart you are kind of way. As a matter of fact, one of my greatest spiritual gifts is a physical gift. Taking young men for a walk with my arm around their shoulders. And just very gently whispering in their ear, maybe we could do this the next time. Maybe maybe we could not do what we did. And it's a, it's a pretty powerful young thing when a rich young ruler turns in to someone that cares enough to speak truth about them. And thanks them for telling something really hard or really difficult. And and it is hard. I've I've been told not that long ago by someone in two of these categories, where you've been brainwashed. You, you know, you yeah. Blah, 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 blah. The children are gone. The children are gone. It makes me want to tell them to shut up. <laughs> but if we're really going to find a way to speak into this culture. Into, into wealth and, and power and youth. I believe that may be the thing God wants us to do because we're not going to win arguments. We, we don't have the artillery. We don't have the media. We don't have the microphone. We don't have, we don't have so many things. But there are some things we have. Matthew 16 and 18. I am going to hurry. I don't imagine y'all have church much after 2 o'clock. Matthew 16, 18 says this. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. For you newer believers, that's the King James Version. It was written along about 1600. So I hope you're okay there. hope I didn't knock you off the turnip truck. It's a powerful story of when Peter was trying to find his way. Any any knuckleheads in the room? Any reformed knuckleheads in the room? Peter was a knucklehead. So do you remember the story of when he cut the dude's ear off? Peter was a fisherman. He was not a soldier. You don't want fishermen handling swords. I think he was trying to cut his head off and he got his ear. So that was a part of Peter's journey but now we're getting, we're getting deeper in Peter's life and, and, and Jesus says to him, now, now there is some debate on this particular passage of scripture exactly what the rock is. Now I'm not neither theologian enough nor do I have the time to, to go into that debate. Where I want to land is Jesus said I will build my church. Father, we accept the word of the Lord today. Father, some way, somehow, I pray that I may say something that challenges, instructs, encourages, in some way finds its way in a heart or a mind that encourages us to press on, to move forward, to be more the man or woman of God you've called us to be and Father, help us reach into the harvest because the church will be built if we do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So three things I want to talk to you about and I ain't going to rush. Number one, I want to talk a little bit about the place of the church. Now, More modern Christians, especially really modern Christians, there is some heartburn about the church. They will say, well, the building is not the church. Well, that is, in fact, true on one hand. The the, the church is is us. The, The Greek word is ecclesia or called out ones. We are the church, and that's why we're often looked at as odd or different or peculiar or or. Sometimes they call us crazy. And, and, you know, in different bearings, you know, there, uh, Pastor Chris alluded to Catholic worship or liturgical worship. or There, there are many forms of worship. Interestingly enough, our young people, uh, uh, charismatic and Pentecostal young people, are finding value in liturgical worship, which is kind of fascinating. But the building is not the church, but it houses the church. It is the place where we pray. It is the place where we worship. It is the place where we meditate. It is the place where we have spiritual impact and emphasis. Janet and I had the privilege to lead youth ministry for the churches of God in Virginia. About 220 churches strong. They had this big, huge, open tabernacle. You could put this room in it six times. And, and pretty early in our leadership there, guys started telling me, the guys that were leading with us, that's my spot right there. I said, really? Tell me what happened in that spot. Unbelievable. Another guy, right over there. That's where God called me to preach, right over there. That's, that's where I got the Holy Ghost. That's where I got saved at six years old. That's where I brought this unbelievable addiction or burden or sin. And just right there, God just wiped it away. I'd never heard that before. That was illuminating to me, it was, it was encouraging to me. But it's, it's, interestingly enough, we called it the tabernacle. And, and so the building is so important, and it is so important the way you handle your building. You say, well, it's not the biggest church now. It's not the, it, that's not the point. The point is you make this building the best building you can make it. You put the most work in that you can to make it look like a place that when folks come by, they say, there is something going on over there. And the Spirit will draw folks in. So the place matters. And we see this throughout the Scripture. The upper room was not a church at all. But they made it a tabernacle. They made it a temple. For those to receive the power of the Holy Ghost. We still go visit that today. If you were to go on a trip to Israel, they would take you to the spot, the room, the upper room that they believe where that actually happened. Pretty big deal then, isn't it? The place certainly matters. The gathering matters. The community that is built matters. The the family, and, and one of the things I know about people when they get a long way away like this, this church has a lot of similarities to this church. Jan and I pastored. And I, I, I don't know if I'm excited to tell you or embarrassed to tell you. The single largest event we ever had at the church I pastored, Jan and I pastored, was a harvest party. That's odd, isn't it? I didn't preach. I didn't even pray. Because we built community. And we built family. And we built a safe place for people to come and bring their mess. And drop it off at a spot along those little old simple altars. In that World War II era building. Not only does the place of the church matter. The people of the church matter. Matter. One of the most difficult things I deal with are people who say they're Christians acting like they are not Christians. I, I've, been doing this, I've, been, I've been in the state office 33 years. I've never sat on one meeting, not one, of doctrinal infidelity. Never. Never. I've never sat in on a meeting where we were arguing whether the Bible was true or not. Not one time. But by golly, you get the wrong hue of carpet in the room. We got a problem. You get that sound system too loud. Gonna be heck to pay. I said heck. Heck. But people are people. You know why our world's in a mess? Because men and women have allowed their hearts to turn away from God. It's not a lack of intelligence. It's certainly not a lack of resources. It's not even most often a lack of knowing what to do. It's deciding not to do what we know to do. It's deciding not to be who we have, God, we sense in our soul, God, drawing us out to be. I'm 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 not much to look at. I'm not much on a lot of levels, but I'm just not worried about that. I just want to be what God has called me to be. I want to be the father and the husband and the leader and the friend and the son and and the the brother that God is calling me to be. And and I just want to bring folks with me. And and I'm really I this may be hard for you to believe. I'm I'm quite the reluctant leader. If I would have come in this building today and I were not the guest speaker, I would have sat on that back row back there and I would have greeted anybody that come to find me, but I would not have sought any of you out. So maybe if you're a basic introvert and you say, well, I can't do what God's called me to do. That's just not true. Now, it's harder on you because you don't like people that much, but still... That my introvertedness is different. actually, people energize me, and but there are people, they see people coming and they say, nope. "Oh no, people." Uh-oh. Broken versus healed. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I already know everyone in this room, at some point in our life, we were broken. You say, "How do you know that, smart guy? Because we're people, we're broken." And God wants to bring healing. He wants to bring wholeness. Now, I, I've been a Christian a really long time, and, and I, don't, I don't have sharp memories of being a sinner. I, I actually have to think about it a little bit. It's been so long. And, and I was, by and large, a pretty good young man. But I still needed to be healed. And perhaps some of you have come from horrific backgrounds, your family of origin, your, you know, your heartbreak, marriages, decisions, addictions, whatever it was, you were just a mess. And God loved you so much that He helped you find healing. And see, this goes back to that language I was talking a little bit because a lot of people have decided the church is, is awful or hateful. Or, or racist and, and and that breaks my heart so because I just I've just never hated anybody. I probably should have hated my father for what he did to me but i I'm just not put together that way I'm just I'm just not a hateful guy so when people call me hateful it really really hurts and then our nature the, the fight flight or flee fight or flee response kicks in and we want to fight. I just don't know that that's the answer, or at least fighting in the typical sense. Yeah. Yeah. But fighting in the sense, I love you. Yeah. You can't make me stop. That's right. You can't make me stop loving you. Now, that doesn't mean you have them over for Thanksgiving dinner. That doesn't mean you keep loaning them money that you know they're stealing from you. That's right. I just, I'm sorry. I just went to meddling right there. I'm going to just drive a steak right there. <laughs> Pastor Chris and I, last night, we were talking about holiness. We are a tradition. Now, your, your tradition may be different, and, but, but the, the, the Armenian, if, if you've studied theology back that far, that became Wesleyan, primarily John Wesley and his crowd, to, to today's holiness theology, which, believe it or not, the Wesleyans are in that camp, and the Nazarenes are in that camp, and there are others in, in, in that camp. We believe that God calls us to a holy life. But He doesn't do that so that we can say, Nanny, nanny, boo-boo, you're unholy. He is attempting to make us more like Him. And to make us more prepared to go to the heaven that He's prepared for us. And it is so easy to be sinful. Don't you find, some of you have been, been believers a long time. I find it interesting the way the devil tempts me. I promise to you, I'm 63 years old. He's never said, go rob that bank. I used to work in a bank. He's, he just never said that to me. He's never said, why don't you go sleep with that woman over there? Now, I probably know that that would be one of my last acts alive because Jan would kill me. You know, and, and and you know, and I, I could go down a list. I I I, I want to be funny, but I don't want to stop. I could go down a list of things, but there are just a handful of areas I've got to be vigilant. I've got to be mindful, and 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 you're like me in that you have those same things. They just may not be what mine are. And and every now and then I I, I I I will think well if I did this I could get five dollars and I'm like why steal five dollars I don't even need five dollars why why would I why would I do that It's little things. As a matter of fact, it goes back to exactly what Satan told Eve, "Won't to eat that fruit." God told me I can't. Well, why would He say that? He said if I eat of that fruit, I will surely die. And Satan, like he does, said, that's not true. You won't surely die. He just twists just a little. So what is that twist in your life? What's that little bit of twist? Be, It'll be okay. That's not really true. Well, Satan was half right. That's the problem. He wasn't completely wrong. He was half right. She didn't die. The way she thought, the way she interpreted God saying she would die. I think the implication is, the scripture doesn't say this, but the implication is she thought she would drop dead, physically dead immediately. What she did was so much worse. She brought death on every single son and daughter that would come from her lineage. Now we have the challenge to fight that death back. And thankfully, this same Jesus gave us that opportunity as he died on the cross. And and the precursor to that was saying to Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. I am finding, I am making a mechanism for men and women to fully re-engage, to be completely reconnected to God see before that time before Jesus' death before the cross they could only cover their sins or sweep them away or stuff them back in a closet but because of Jesus we as the church have the ability to say whatever you have done you can give it to Jesus and the blood that he shed will wash those sins away as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. Come on. So good. Thank you, and then the purpose of the church, the place of the church, the people of the church, and the purpose of the church. I love this scripture, Matthew 21. You might want to you know, go home and... Maybe you make this a part of your devotion. Uh, Especially those of you in leadership. This is really important for Christian leaders to get their arms around. You know, it's not just a job. We do get paid to do this, but it's not a job. It's way, way, way more than a job. Leading the church of the living God. Matthew 21 verse 12 says, And Jesus went into the temple of God, and cast all them out that sold and bought in the temple. A little hacked off, I would say. Overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Almost everybody knows this part of this story. Especially young people, they get a kick out of it. Jesus got mad, and, and they—I won't say what they'll use it to condemn. Publicly, but I'd be happy to tell you privately. I think a mischaracterization of the scripture, but I don't want to get into all that. What happened was these entrepreneurs saw an opportunity. I don't know that he was even upset about that. I think he was really upset that the worshipers had stopped bringing their best to be sacrificed at the temple, and they would just pick up some type of cheap imitation and take it in and offer it to God. You see, ladies and gentlemen, especially you new believers, God wants you to be your best, but He also wants you to give Him your best. He wants to give him, we, call, we use the phrase sacrifice of praise. We take up offerings. We don't take up offerings because God's broke. We take up offerings to say to God, we are so grateful for what you've given us that we are going to give some back so that that treasury can be used to expand the ministry, the kingdom, and the church. Verse 13. And he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He was really driving at the hearts of the men and the women. You, You come in and you have a form of worship. You have a form of godliness. My house should be a house of prayer. Verse 14, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were upset. The preachers got mad because people were healed. Well, all Jesus wanted to do was make his house a house of power, a place where healing really happens. Verse 15, verse 16. And he said unto them, hearst thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, yea, have you never read out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. He wants to build a house of praise, which you have here. I, 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 I can't do much with that. You guys got that covered, I think. But, but it is, you know, It is different. You know, we, we, your church doesn't look like every other church because you don't want to be like every other church. And just a part of bringing family and friends, and it's okay to say, you know what? We turn the lights down. Some folks, they've never done that. Now, it's not a concert. We don't turn them down that far. And just walking people through Becoming a part of the church because the church matters, and I just don't know. I just don't know how. I, there's there's things swirling. If you're if you're on if you, I, I think social media is like golf. If you haven't taken it up, don't start now. Amen. Just don't do it. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm a part of several groups and, and uh, sadly I watch Church of God preachers want to fight with each other. And I'm thinking, do y'all, do y'all not know that everybody can see this? Do you, do you, do you, do you, do you not know? And I've just decided, I'm, I'm not, we were, we were, Pastor Chris and I were talking about a couple of controversial ministers last night. I'm not going to their church. I'm not going to promote them. I'm not going to invite them to our summer conference to speak. but I'm not going to condemn them. I'm not going to throw rocks at them. I'm not going to hurt them. Now, if if the Lord would give me an opportunity to speak with them, I may illuminate them. Well, the fact of the matter is they may illuminate me, but I'm just not going to do that. And I think we can carry that forward to our community. I'm pretty sure we're not going to whip anybody into church. Now, there is a story. There is a story about a pastor whipping a guy, and whoever won, because that guy got whipped, he came to church interestingly enough that guy who used to be a state overseer in the church of god but i don't think that's the way today i just i just don't and 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 i'm i'm just getting too old to fight i'm i'm just getting i'm just i'm no no let me buy you a cheeseburger and we'll talk about it let's not fight about it the church matters i want to ask you to stand however we do music for altar let's let's do it That was an incredible worship set today. Golly, that was good. All the meters I have indicate to me that your church is on the move. Now perhaps there's something in a closet somewhere I haven't seen yet. But your community, your friendliness, your praise and worship, your prayer is powerful. And unusual things happen in a Pentecostal church. Even though I speak the English language funny, sometimes we speak a language even funnier than what I speak. And there are folks that have never heard Ever of some of the theology that we believe there are people that have never read the Bible they have no idea what it says they think they know because they watch something on YouTube we have this incredible opportunity Harvest Valley to make a difference and one of the things I want to point out I said I'm making fun uh, last night, yesterday But one of the top three most uh, crucial times that somebody can make a faith commitment is when they've moved, when they've physically moved. And, And I probably wouldn't like outsiders coming in and messing my town up either. But have you ever considered, if you feel that way, that the mission field that we talk about going to is coming to Sandpoint and the surrounding areas. And those folks didn't come here because they loved where they were or they wouldn't have come here. And maybe you're a part of their incredible journey to become the man and woman of God that they've been called to be. I, I do this regularly and I don't know how to play here. I'm, I'm just kind of getting back to the post-COVID altar call. I've tried to be very sensitive and very careful. Evidently COVID doesn't live in Sandpoint. For which I'm... <laughs> it, it didn't live a lot of places. But that's, that's gossip. That's not preaching. I just wonder who you would bring to this altar Do you know some of those rich young ruler folks? Maybe it's somebody you've been at odds with a long time. Maybe it's the person you built that expensive fence for. (laughs) Who in your circle of influence, if they were radically saved, would Have the largest impact on bringing others to the altar and to the kingdom. So, as you think about that, as you ponder on that, and maybe there's maybe there's no maybe you live in a cabin 100 miles from everybody and you really don't like people that much. That's gonna be hard when you're a believer, isn't it? It's gonna be hard. I find I have so much compassion find I watch people, the things that used to make me mad or fire me up or make me say something ugly. I'm just sure there's a story making them like that. So, so all of the room, and don't feel any compelling if you don't want to, but I just wonder if, if we could bring that individual, that individual you're thinking of, could you bring them right up around this altar and let's have a time of community prayer. Would, would you come? Anybody? Would you bring them? You're harder moving teenagers. Come on. I'm not going to ask you who it is. It doesn't matter to me who it is. Yeah, just just come on up, and they they may come later, maybe not. I may have scared them. this wasn't a part of my plan I just it wasn't a part of my plan do any of you know a prodigal do you have a prodigal that it's time for him to come home would you bring them would you bring them now I, I know how to be Pentecostal and I've, I've been in some pretty wild meetings I'm not going to do any of that If you'd like for me to pray for you, just motion to me. I'd be happy to do that, but I'm not going to approach you. So let me restate where I started. I quoted. I didn't say it. I quoted it. Jesus said, I will build my church. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 17. 20 folks are represented here. Church, I want to ask you, if you would just stretch your hands forward this way, and we want to pray over these individuals. I don't know who they are. You may not know who they are, but they're important to these 20 folks that have brought them up here. And we're going to ask our Heavenly Father to intervene To some way, somehow, bring the life of the Spirit and the love of Jesus into these souls. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for people that love. Thank you, Father, for people that have dedicated themselves to be believers in Jesus. That have decided to be the church that have decided to be a part of this church so that we can continue to grow the kingdom. Now, Father, on behalf of these that have brought a loved one, a friend, an individual, maybe even a stranger that they believe needs to know you, Father, I'm just asking you right now to move and minister and soften the hearts of these that are represented. Father, wherever they are, they're obviously not in this church, wherever they are today, I just pray, Father, that you would do something in the Spirit that would quicken them, that would quake them, that would alert them that you are moving. Father, I'm asking you for an anointing an anointing of strategy of how to speak to these individuals. What is it, Father, they need to hear that would draw their attention to You? I pray, Father, that You give these individuals that are leading a spirit of grace so that if the conversation doesn't go well the first time, or the second time, or the tenth time, or the thirtieth time. That you give them the ability, the grace to not be deterred, to not be hurt. To understand that it is not a flesh and blood battle, but a spiritual battle that can only be won in the Spirit. And then, Father, I pray for courage. I know for me, let me speak about me, Father. Sometimes I just don't know if I'm strong enough to say what I feel like I need to say. And I thank you that so often, I don't always pull it off, but so often you give me the courage to speak truth to wealth and youth and power. You give me the ability to stand firm like the Hebrew boys and to even say, Father, if I'm fully rejected or worse, if I'm scoffed at or made fun of, that I have done what you asked me to do and you gave me the courage to do it. Father, I love you and I bless you. In the name of Jesus, I ask, amen and amen. You see, I didn't tell you. He said he would build his church but he wants us to be the hand and feet. He wants us to be the laborers, the lovers of men's soul, the carriers of truth, the people of God, the children of God, the saints of God. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to ask, I, I don't know how we're going to do it. Is we don't even need music. I'm going to ask you and, and Sister Mika, the First Lady of Harvest Valley, I'd, I'd like to uh, to pray for you guys. Yeah. Cool. I, I am the overseer, right? I can do whatever I want.
0: You got four.
1: Jan, if you come up and join me. Luckily. I I also have the authority to call business meetings in any local church of God under my care. And I would like to call to order a business meeting uh, for a singular purpose. Um, Pastor Chris, for some time, has been praying and pursuing the highest rank of ministry in the church of God. That is of ordained bishop. I am happy to report to you yesterday he nearly uh, aced his examination, a 300 question examination. (laughs) And so I said to him last night, I said, have we done a local church endorsement? He said, I don't believe we have. I said, well, we we need to do that. That is the last piece of paper that I will need to submit all of his uh, uh, documents and paperwork and uh, have the certificate generated. So, by the authority granted me, I'm calling a uh, business meeting, um, and by general consent... Uh, I would encourage us to recommend that Pastor Chris Bassett go forward as an ordained bishop in the Church of God. Would you consent with me simply saying aye? aye. aye. And it is carried. I'm closing the meeting now.
0: Wow, that was fast.
1: I'm a little bit of a rule keeper. I thank God for this couple's story. I thank God for his passion and his call. He is already stepping into leadership roles beyond his credentials, beyond his title or assignment because that's how he's made. That's what God is calling him to do. He is currently serving me and several other leaders in our region in a variety of ways. And I understand that you have endorsed that, and I thank you for that. We, we, we are small. We only have eight churches in the whole of Idaho. But I believe that God is going to use them to be a part of a great revival in the Northwest. If God doesn't send revival soon, I don't know what we're going to do. But I just keep hearing rumblings. You know, you remember the prophet in the Old Testament. They'd hear rumblings. And I hear rumblings. And I thank God for this couple. And so Jan and I are going to lead in prayer. But I want you to pray. We want to pray for an expansion of mission and vision and call like they've never known. We want to pray for God to open doors that only He could open. But then also we want to pray for the hedge of protection of the Holy Spirit over their family as they fight this spiritual battle. Because we know more more battles are coming. We know they're coming. And we want them to be armed and prepared and ready. Doesn't mean the battles will be easy. Doesn't mean it will stop the battles. What it means is they'll be victorious in those battles would you stretch your hands just right up here for us please heavenly father I thank you for Pastor Chris and Miss Mika. I thank you, God, for their call. I thank you for who they are, for their family. Father, I thank you for the leadership that they are not only having in Sandpoint and the surrounding areas, but also in this region of Idaho and for that matter all over the Northwest and beyond. Father, I am just asking you to be with them, to walk before them, to put a hedge of protection around them as they perform what you are calling them to do. And Father, when they're tired, when they're frustrated, when they're challenged, I just pray for supernatural strength, love, and wisdom to overcome them. Father, I love you. I thank you for this leader of this great church, and we ask you to expand them. In the name of Jesus, I ask, amen and amen.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment or you can email us at mediahvwc.com. At Thank you for joining us and we look forward to connecting with you.